Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel, and if I was a god of Theros, I would be the god of lesbians. <laughs> That's why I didn't pick that. I'm Brian Dawes, and I'm the god of elves, replacing Fraley's. I'm Ashley Barrow, and I think I would probably be the god of evil. Oh god. Nice, that's a good choice. Evil's important in a uh, theocratic ecosystem. (laughs) It's ancient Greece, so by evil, I mean woman. So basically, me and Lorelai have the same thing. Totally thought you were going to go for uh, god of dogs or something. Oh, that was my first choice. That's why I left it alone. I was going to let you have that, but... I thought Annie was god of dogs. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. She's also kind of the god of evil. Well, she's the dog god, and you can be... Never mind, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's funny, because dog is god backwards. Um, so we have a whole bunch of news this week. We did not have an episode last week, because it was Halloween on the night we record, so a bunch of people were busy, and everyone was tired. It's been a lot <laughs> lately, so we took the week off. So we're back! And we are heading full gear into Theros, which is very exciting. But uh, we have a whole bunch of news to catch up on. And uh, if you like Commander, holy crap did we get a lot. The most important thing to talk about is Commander Legends, which is a new draft product. So this is booster packs, 20 card booster packs where you do a Commander draft. They haven't explained quite how all those rules are going to work yet. We do know that every pack's going to have a foil and a multicolor legend, but beyond that, we don't really know much about else. Yes, there. I, I believe they mentioned two, at least two legends in every pack. Yeah, and uh, they mentioned there are at there are around seventy new commanders in this product. I'm going to spend so much money on this set. Mood. Uh, so that is including old characters who never got cards, old characters who had cards and. Are getting new cards, uh, new characters. It's gonna run the whole thing. And uh, so they previewed two pieces of art. One of them was a new Baron Sangir card. So he's one of those characters who has a really crappy old card, and I assume is gonna get a better one. Hopefully, gets a better one. So it's a brand new Sangir card. It's not a reprint. So that's exciting. And then the other piece of art, um, they've been coy about, but it's the Planeswalker aspect ratio. And it's Jessica, so we know we're getting a Jessica Planeswalker. They did mention there's a couple Planeswalkers thrown in there, so I assume they will have the can be your commander text too. So this will be the first time we've seen Jessica depicted as a Planeswalker, despite the fact that she was one for about 200 years in the story and was like really fundamental to the Time Spiral block. So that's very exciting. And uh, we'll learn more about that next year. We don't really have a release date or know much about it but that's gonna be a hell of a flavor jams episode we might have to do too uh also in the realm of commander things there's a i forget the product name it's like a it's uh so if if you remember the signature spell books that they've done they've done a jason gideon so far this is like a commander version so it's like commander whatever green so it's eight green cards that are format staples uh, there's a foil version and a non-foil version. So for people who like foils, they can get the foils. For people who don't like foils, they can get the non-foils. And it's eight cards. All have brand new art. And every piece of art 
either if if it's a spell, if it's a non-creature, it has a legendary creature in the art. And if it's a non-legendary creature, it has some kind of visual motif that references a legendary creature. So we got a piece of art with Yisan from Chandelar. I think it's Court of Calling. It, it seems likely. Um, Court is amazing. Um, and then we got another piece, which is some kind of elemental or spirit-looking thing. But uh, Gavin noted that the shape of its head is similar to the headpiece that Azusa Lost But Seeking wears. Um, people have guessed Seedborn Muse, which because it's like the only green mono green spirit that matters and if it's going to reference a kamigawa legend is partly from kamigawa and it has some of the the kami motifs on it too it has some floating seeds around it so uh that sounds right um so we'll see what those eight cards are next year's commander product um instead of the four decks we get in august like usual we are getting five decks again they are going to be released simultaneously with ikoria lair of behemoths and each of the decks is going to be built from a theme that appears in the Ikoria set. Um, and and each one is going... The, the whole thing is going to include uh, 71 brand new cards, most of which are themed to Ikoria. Uh, they will not be standard legal. Um, so uh, it, it's kind of like bringing back the old Commander format, but they're tying it to a specific block. Um, I worked on those. They are very cool. They're one of the things that I will not be able to speculate on, but uh, I'm very excited for them. I'm very excited for everybody to see them. They are dope. Akori is a sweet plane. And then uh, the last little bit is, um, so Commander Legends and then Zendikar Rising are both going to have a unique introductory product. So um, instead of having Planeswalker decks, because um, those are ending with uh, Theros Beyond Death is the last set we'll have Planeswalker decks. So um, Commander Legends and Zendikar Rising will each have like two pre-constructed Commander decks released with the set. Each one will have three brand new cards and then the rest is reprints. They're going to function a lot like the Planeswalker decks, it seems, um, except they'll be Commander products. And it looks like they'll be aimed as more introductory products to the format than um, the the annual Commander products have been. So uh, we'll see what those contain. Uh, and what those are like i'm i'm very curious about like where their power level ends up or or what reprints they include because i i don't know if like that's a place where they will choose to put high profile reprints or not um i don't know i'm interested to see that's all the commander stuff what happened earlier this past week was uh at uh magic fest richmond where the mythic championship just happened they had the debut of the mystery boosters and holy crap so here's what we know about the mystery boosters this is essentially a chaos draft product um there are over a thousand cards in it so booster packs are wildly varied and every pack contains one playtest card which is uh, done up in the style of of R&D's actual playtest cards. Um, but they're, they're just... Um, Gavin described it as uh, Future Sight meets Chaos Draft, I think. So so the, the playtest cards are like weird, wonky things that a lot of them push even farther than Future Sight printed, pushed. And that's fascinating. And they're just like weird and bizarre. And uh, they all have like playtest art that people inside Wizards illustrated. 
they're really weird. And then, so, so the pack, each pack contains one playtest card, um, two commons and uncommons from, I think, uh, the cutoff was, um, Magic 2015 forward, so the, the newest card frame, um, two, two commons and uncommons from each color, so that's, uh, ten, uh, monocolored cards, a gold card, a colorless card, which could be, like, a land or an artifact or something, and, um, an old frame card, uh, I think the oldest card I saw was from Weatherlight. I don't know how far back those go. And then a rare card from, I think, again, it was uh, 25M15 forward. Um, but the, the old bordered card can be any rarity. Um, so you can get two rare packs if your old card is a rare and your more recent card is a rare or mythic. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, I've seen... Uh, Mana Crypt is back, Soul Ring is in here, uh, Lotus Petal, uh, I saw a whole bunch of Teferi's Protection, all kinds of Commander exclusive cards, I, this is, like, a set size of a thousand, like, who knows what could be in here, it's, it's all curated, it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen, um, literally ever, and I worked on Modern Horizons, <laughs> so, um, that whole so so starting today Monday, uh, that whole list is public. We'll, we'll know all the things. And uh, what's really cool about this is because there's all these weird wonky playtest cards, we are going to do a flavor gems episode. So uh, look for that next week. We are shifting a few things around in the schedule to accommodate, but uh, we want to strike when the fire is hot. So uh, look for mystery booster flavor gems with the playtest cards uh, next Monday. That is. It's going to be a hell of an episode to record, I can tell you that much. Can we uh, also review the art? Oh, absolutely. Because that's hard to convey uh, over talking, but the art for these is amazing. Oh, it like it's literally hand-drawn by members of R&D. It's so, if you remember, um, look at me on the DCI, the card Mark Rosewater illustrated. There's a lot of art in that vein. Um, like There's also a piece of card art um, that Eli Schifrin quote-unquote illustrated where I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just the card's text written in the Frexian language he is the keeper of the Frexian language so like there's just a lot of weird things um i'm very excited uh and then our final piece of news is that magic the gathering was just inducted into the national toy hall of fame uh so congrats magic you're with all the cool toys it's it's in there for its innovation in basically inventing an entire genre of gaming but they were beat out by Stick. What? Stick got into the Hall of Fame before they did. Okay, but it's a stick, though. So so the class this year is, um, I, I think they limit it to three things every year. So this year it was Magic, um, it was uh, Hot Wheels Cars, and it was Coloring Books. Which, inducting Coloring Books as a general broad category seems a little cheating, but I guess we'll allow it. I mean... We have to allow it. We are not on any kind of board or nomination or for the National Toy Hall of Fame. Are you? Pretty sure you're not. You know how I feel about toys and coloring books. <laughs> That's fair. You are an art major. You major in coloring books. Correct. That's how it works. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> um, and And that's the news this week. So... The feature for this week, as we're heading into Theros, uh, we are going to talk about the gods of this plane. They are the defining metaphysical phenomenon that appears on Theros. Um, 
They are of Nyx, the night sky that manifests the people's dreams and, and turns them into reality. And that's that's kind of the source of all the gods on Theros. They are literally powered by the belief of the people. There's a story called Crufix's Insight, where Crufix talks about what the gods are um, and how a god that exists today may not have been the first god of that thing or um, and, and mentions there there are gods that are just completely forgotten whose domains don't exist anymore there there is no god of um so one of the specific things he said is is there is no god of love um but there used to be and that's weird so uh he also implies that heliod has not always been the god of the sun so um Nyx is dynamic and the Pantheon is dynamic. Annie was the god of love. I thought she was the god of dogs and evil. I guess that's the same thing. Dog, god of dogs is the same as god of love. That's fair. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, there are 15 gods. Uh, five major gods and ten minor gods. And uh, so we're just going to brush you up on all of those because it's a big chunk of world building and we are heading back to Theros. So... These are things you should know, because these are the deities that really define a lot of life on Theros and a lot of magic on Theros. So we'll start with the hero of all Theros, Heliod, the best god. That was so loud. Heliod is the god of scumbags. Oops, I mean the sun. No. Heliod is a hero. I won a commander game by attacking with a 28-29 Vigilance Trample First Strike Hexproof Heliod Lifelink Heliod. So he's pretty okay in my book. Okay, but where the Borthos cast? We don't know how to play the game, so... I have a foil Heli- a fully foil Heliod deck. Doesn't mean that I like him as a character. He's a scumbag and a douche. He... So Heliod... Um, Tell him how you really the... feel was one of the main characters of the novels um, or the ebooks that uh, were released for the Theros block. Um, he's also the god of the law, retribution, and the bonds of kinship. And he fancies himself the lord of the gods, or uh, I forget what the exact terminology they used was, but he deems himself as the, the leader of the gods. And... He is fashioned in in a Zeus-like manner, but not necessarily with all of Zeus's flaws. Um, but you know, it's 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 fine. It's he, he's anyway. His primary weapon is the sun spear named Crusor, and he typically presides over matters of family honor, questions of morality and virtue, speeches, marriages. Acts of protective bravery, dawn meals, and self-sacrifice. Uh, Heliod's name is often a part of legal proceedings, and sacrifices to him are made in times when the greatest aid or strictest justice is needed. Um, as I mentioned before, he was heavily um, a, he was a big part of the the Theros uh, ebooks that we have, and um, he is also the person who killed Elspeth, son's champion, after she got rid of Xenagos for him and was 
his champion because he feared her power as a planeswalker where she just wanted to be left alone. She she was there doing good things for people who couldn't do them for themselves. And after she does what they ask, they take advantage of her or kill her. So I, I, I greatly dislike Heliod as a character, but um, yeah, it, it's... I'm 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 on Team Ajani and helping him bring down the their their in godhood, but I don't know. It's I have I have very strong feelings against because you know I don't I I like some of the gods like I like Crufix I I, I kind of like Nylea to a certain extent like not all the gods are bad but I I feel like Heliod overreacted to something that he saw he he didn't like xenagos's rise which we'll talk about later and he feared that elspeth would do the same thing even though she had no plans on doing anything any such thing and he still killed her after she did what he asked her to do so kind of bitter about that because i love elspeth elspeth is one of my favorite planeswalkers and I, i i really empathize with her but you know that's just me so that's how I feel. Heliod's douchebag, but whatever. Noted. <laughs> um, uh, next up is Thassa, god of the sea. She is the blue god. Her signature weapon uh, used to be a bident called Dekela. She don't have that no more, because Kiora stole it. I hope Kiora renamed it. That would be awesome. I don't think Kiora ever knew its name. Uh, it's never referred to as Dekela in the story. Well, it imparted a lot of knowledge to her when she picked it up, so it's kind of like... But here's the question. Does she care? No, she does not care about its name. Absolutely not. She would not care at all, and that's why I kind of hope that she changed its name. It's like, no, you're not Nikella anymore. Being god of the sea means um, Thassa is obviously the god of aquatic creatures and the secrets of the deep. Being the god of aquatic creatures uh, is, is what got Thassa and Kiora into a fight, because um, Kiora was trying to find sea monsters to bring back to Zendikar, um, was looking for a Rixmethes, found him. Thassa was like, hey, you've been masquerading as me or one of my uh, or one of my prophets, and you need to knock that off, so I'm going to kick your ass. And Kiora's like, haha, I'm taking this Kraken. And then Kiora is largely getting her ass kicked because she's fighting a deity. But then Thassa pins her to the seafloor with the Bident, and it, um, it's choking Kiora to death, and she starts stuttering some words. So Thassa pulls the Bident back just a tiny little bit uh, magically so that Kiora can speak and beg for her life. And Kiora's just like grabs the Bident and is like, thanks for the Bident, and Planes walks away with it. It's so good. I love Kiora. Anyway, uh, so... Thassa's, uh, the sea is always moving, so Thassa is um, a god of change, um, murmurs, ancient knowledge, voyages, uh, searches, uh, tides, currents, um, time. Uh, she that's that's kind of part of her domain. So so um, things things about knowledge and change um, and a little bit of exploration and and. Uh, questing to find new things to learn. 
Um, she, she is largely worshipped by the Tritons, the merfolk of the plane. They are her primary followers, um, although she is worshipped a bit in Miletus, which is a coastal city. Uh, next is Erebos, god of the dead. He lives in the underworld. Uh, Theros is broken up into three main um, metaphysical regions. Uh, Nyx, the starry night sky. The mortal realm, which is this flat earthed domain where people live and die and stuff. And then the underworld, which we'll learn about more next year. Um, that's where Erebos lives. He is kind of the Hades. And uh, he has a whip named Mastix. And uh, he is also the god of uh, misfortune, ill fate, and grudges. Uh, he's a salty fellow. No, no, that's that's Thassa. <laughs> They're all salty. She's briny. And, and uh, envy and bitterness. And uh, much like uh, Hades was in Greek mythology, Erebos is also the god of wealth um, and, and money. Uh, part of the reason is because... Um, there is, you know, uh, like ancient Greek myths, there's tons of gold underground. And so that must be part of the domain of the underworld. And, and that's part of the reason, like, the returned, uh, the zombies of the plane come back with golden masks. Because they can forge it from gold in the underworld. It's a whole thing. Um, the legend of how Erebos came to be is that when uh, the sun first shone on Heliod, it cast his shadow across the land. And Heliod was freaked out and banished the shadow to the underworld. And uh, that shadow became Erebos. Uh, and and uh, so Heliod and Erebos have had this feud um, back and forth. That's like part of Gideon's origin story is Heliod recruiting Gideon to kill one of Erebos' titans. But Erebos is like, huh, it doesn't matter if you hate me. I'm your shadow. I will always be behind you, Heliod. Um, Erebos likens, likens himself to the inevitable end of all life. Uh, so, so his main goal is like, hey, everybody in the mortal realm, you're all going to end up down here one day. And, and that's kind of his main motive. So like he hates the returned because they belong to him and they should get back to the underworld where they belong. So the next god is Perfros, god of the forge. Less is known about him than Thassa or Erebos or Heliod, the scumbag. Um, but... We do know his hammer is named Akmon. Uh, he is a god of restless earth and fire, artisans and obsession, and the cycle of creation and destruction. He has a forge that's in a volcano, and um, he makes all sorts of things, including Elspeth's spear named Godsend, or God's End, whichever way you want to say it. Um, he also created a twin called Petros, that he created to help him in the forge, and also because he was kind of jealous of the twin gods, Mogus and Iroas. Um, but a lot of artisans pr pray to him when they're creating things, and he's a, he's a relatively chill god, comparative to the other ones, even though he is kind of mad at Heliod, which is what caused him to create God's End. So He also used to be in love with Nylea. Who we'll get to next, um, and and that love inspired like some of his best works of art. Well, why don't you tell us about that? Huh? Why don't you tell us about that? What do you mean? Nylea's next. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I was gonna do a segue, but then I guess you segued first. <laughs> um, Nylea is the god of the hunt. Uh, she has a bow called a a fixus, 
which she uses to manipulate seasons. Um, so like one of the, uh, the card for Nylia's bow has four different modes on it, each mode representing one of the seasons. So, uh, in, in, beyond being the god of seasons, she's got the, the forest and, and predation and hunger, um, metamorphosis and rebirth. She tends to dwell in the wild places in Theros. I almost said Zendikar. Um... Uh, <laughs> Uh, especially around Setessa. Setessa is surrounded by the Nessian Wilds, which is where Nylia does most of her hunting. Um, and she has huge clashes with uh, Karametra, who is the um, god of farming and stuff, um, over the use of agriculture. Um, Nylia believes in wildness. Um, she doesn't believe in civilization. She believes in hunting things and being hunted and powerful things um she has personal hunting grounds that she violently defends and when trespassers come across her ground and don't have her blessings she either seeks them out directly or sends emissaries to kill them because that's her place to roam but uh so so she she is kind of the god that a lot of nature spirits represent so a lot of the dryads are her supporters so starting in on the minor gods, uh, these are uh, the uh, two-color gods. So there are uh, five for the allied color pairs, five for the enemy color pairs. Who decides, wait, who decides uh, if you're a major or minor god? Like, imagine, like, you're hanging out with your buddies and they're like, well, you're just a minor god, so no. So you're not our friend. You think they're, they're major god, minor god clicks? Well, Yeah. Is this is this all part of the high school AU? The the major gods are the popular kids. Have you been around adults? I'm shaking my head at you. I think this is human nature and thusly god nature. That are they if they are aware of their major or minor status, that could be what has produced such assholes. So in my opinion, the minor gods they're pretty chill actually. Yeah, a, a lot of them are more specialized. So the first one, Afara, is the god of the polis. Um, polis being Greek for city. So there, there are three mage, three major um, cities on Theros. There's Miletus, uh, which Afara uh, is credited with founding. Um, that's another one of those origin myths. We don't know if it's true or not, but she is credited with founding the city of Miletus. That Miletus sits on the coast. It's kind of the the Athens analog. Has a lot of philosophers, um, but also good sized armies who who fight with a lot of tactical prowess. Uh, there's Akros up in the mountains, which is kind of the Sparta analog. Um, they are the uh, kind of rough and tumble fighters, and um, they are they're the most martial city, but uh, they're also the ones that hold the games. Um, and then there is Setessa, which is uh, in the forest. It's kind of the nature city. has a the city's mostly populated by women. It's it's kind of the island of Lesbos analog, except it's in the middle of the land. And that's kind of where people get in touch with nature and stuff. So so Afara is is the god of the polises in general, um, Miletus specifically. So um, whenever you are like building a thing or um, doing anything like urban, uh, like design-wise or, or whatever, like Afara is kind of the god that you deal with. Uh, her likeness um, is all over the cities themselves. Um, is kind of a former protection. She is um, viewed as kind of a protective god. Although she murdered Cacophony, but yeah, we'll get into that in another episode. 
dang it, that was going to be my segue. But yes, our next god is Phoenix, god of deception. Uh, he's also the god of betrayal, isolation, planning, and secrets. And tends to be the patron of the returned. Um, but as Lorelai was mentioning, um, there was a demigod that was created called Cacophony that was created by, uh, oh gosh, oh, Ashok. I don't know why my, it slipped my mind for a minute. Yeah. Well, because Phoenix hid that information from you. Yeah, totally took it out of my brain because I, I didn't deserve it. Ashok created it um, with uh, Phoenix's blessing. Yeah, he gave the, uh, the, the inhabitants of the city of Melodus awful nightmares. And once Afara knew, realized what was going on, she killed him and ended him. And fortunately for uh, Ashok, their agreement... To, with... to be clear, that was killed Cacophony, not Phoenix. Yes. Afara killed Cacophony, not Ashok. Because uh, she was not aware that Ashok was even there because Ashok had received uh, Phoenix's blessing and made them... Uh, undetectable by Afara. So he or so they were able to um to have their fun with the people of Melitus's nightmares and scamper away before Afara was any the wiser. Yep, Phoenix is also the patron god of the returned. He wears a gold mask like them, which is uh he's he's the clever trickster god. And, and the returned are kind of like the the joke on Erebos that, haha, you can't come back from the dead. So Phoenix is kind of their hero, basically. Um, next up, a uh, god we mentioned earlier is Mogus, the god of slaughter. He is one of the two gods of war. Mogus is the, the nefarious evil parts, uh, the wrath, the sadism, the, the blood and the malice, the domination and subjugation. Um, he is the utter violence and destructive power of war. Uh, he is a half minotaur. Um, so he's half bull. He has a, a, a bull head um, and upper body. Uh, so so he, because of his likeness, uh, he, he is worshipped by a lot of the minotaur who are um, as close as you can get to feral. <laughs> um, the minotaur on Theros are generally extraordinarily violent. Isn't a minotaur already only half person well but mogus is only half minotaur only his top half is a minotaur his bottom half is a human i mean i i already know this but i'm just asking as the viewer yes it's weird because it'll be a weird thing later so so being half like he's not a minotaur but he's half bull but because he's god it's weird just go with it <laughs> it's like being half mermaid <laughs> yes it's like being half mermaid. you'll never guess which half oh i'm half mermaid by the way my top half is half mermaid anyway next up is xenagos uh god of rebels so uh when we started the original theros Spock, there was no red green god uh xenagos through the plot of the story which we'll talk about in a couple weeks um ascended to godhood and became we have uh, in our um uh, we have in our uh, agenda document that he's the god of jerk faces, which is pretty accurate. Uh, he's, he killed the scryfish, the, the scrying starfish thing, uh, when he was a kid. That was mean. Yeah, think about how much scryfish has done for us. Exactly. So uh, 
Xenagos um, manipulates a lot of things to happen into a ritual, and then on a big uh, celebratory party by in Akros, he ascends to godhood. His goal is, as a planeswalker, you know, he, he left Theros and saw that the gods he grew up with, their power is limited to one plane, and they're, like, so small compared to the vastness of the multiverse. And then he looked at how petty and destructive they are, and he's like, look, I can reveal the truth that the gods are, like, not all that. I can prove it by becoming a god myself. So he does. And then he gets murdered. Comments we've gotten from folks confirm that he's dead dead. It was kind of ambiguous um, from the end of God's End. But the verbal confirmation we've gotten afterwards is that he was killed in Nyx and dissipated. Um, so my assumption is we will not see him again one day. We'll see in Theros Beyond Death what happens. Grudge match in the underworld. I think there's another character that I think is a little more on the priority to see again. So next up is uh, the aforementioned Karametra, the god of harvests. She is um, the god of hearth and home and uh, protection and uh, orphans and mothers. Uh, she, she is the patron god of Setessa. Um, orth- orphans and mothers is important for, t- for Setessa as a city. It's a city with a lot of um, children that are raised communally in it. So um, they will accept pretty much any, any, any orphan that is brought to the city will be raised by the community. Um, like I said, it's mostly women, so, so, so mothers get folded in there. Um, and, and she's also the god of farming and stuff. Uh, she has a sable, like a gigantic sable, which is a kind of weasel. The sable doesn't really do anything that we know of. It, it exists, and it's adorable, <laughs> and, and that's about it. I suspect she's related to Kestia, uh, the the nymph we got in Commander a couple years ago. So none of, none of that's confirmed, but if you have like a legendary nymph that farms stuff, that sounds like a Karametra thing. Uh, next up is the Athreos, God of Passage. He is the ferryman over the river Tartix, which separates the mortal realm from the underworld. So he's the one who ferries the dead across the river, uh, the passage being the passage from life to death, and guards the way back so that folks cannot escape. A little tidbit we got later is that uh, he has a notable oracle, Ravos the Soul Tender, who is from the Four Color Commander decks. Earlier this year, we got a tiny little bit of flavor knowledge, uh, Ravos. So in the IDW comics with Dak Faden, um, they kind of end with Dak going into the underworld to stop uh, Ashiok's evil plan. We don't quite know how that worked out, um, but we do know how Dak got out of the underworld, and that was help from Ravos the Soul Tender, who, despite being Athreos's oracle, helps people escape the underworld. So he's like pulling one over on his boss, which... I assume Athreos would not like if he found out. Hashtag workplace drama. Uh, next is Karanos, god of storms. He is the god of epiphanies and uh, wisdom, but not not, not long-reaching wisdom like Thassa, the, uh, the instinctual, I know what to do now type of thing. Uh, the literally sparks of ideas, insight and, and kind of careless destruction. Um, he is a thunder god, a lightning god. He he shoots bolts everywhere. He has uh, shocking revelations. A big patron of his was uh, Symede, the queen of Akros. While her husband was a patron of Iroa's, uh, she was a patron of Karanos and, and looked to him for kind of strategic decisions and, and running the city and whatnot. 
Um, he is very frenetic, very whimsical in the ways in which he distributes information to his two people who pray to him. Uh, the next is Farika, who is the god of affliction. She's the goddess of diseased medicine and the mother of Gorgons, who, if you know me, you know I love, so I love Farika. She appears as a giant snake woman, which I should note is not how Gorgons look, so presumably they are adopted. That's a joke, as in she actually created them, but she's not like evil, like the god of, like a, an evil god of disease, like she just kills people because she does also have like the secrets to how to like cure that, but you're on your own there, you gotta go find that. Which I'm assuming it's hard to find because I'm assuming most people think, oh, okay, well, we're just gonna go kill the Gorgons and get their secrets. Has anybody gone and just asked? I'm sure they would probably answer, maybe if we just stopped trying to kill them and cut their heads off. I agree. Gorgons are good. Hashtag problematic. I don't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> um, you were going with Gorgons are good and we should be their friends, which is valid. Next up is Iroa's God of Victory. Um, he is the twin of Mogus, and he's not a centaur. He has the top part of a man and the bottom part of a bull. He looks like a centaur, but he's not. It's not a horse. It's a bull. He is the god of victory, so he is the uh, the valor and heroism and bravery in battle, the quote-unquote positive aspects of war. Iroas is really big in Akros. They are, they are the big martial city. So um, he is kind of their, their biggest god. They have a huge temple to him, um, and uh, Anax, the, the king of Akros, is, is a big fan of Iroas. Uh, he also presides over the um, Iroian Games, which are the kind of Olympics of, of Theros. So he is uh, always enlocked in battle with Mogus, um, always struggling, always at war, neither getting an upper hand on the other. And that's part of why Akros and the Minotaurs are always in opposition. They are kind of in a proxy war for the deity, the deities they um, are patrons of. Our last god is Krufix, god of horizons. He's a god of the unknown, the potential, the distance, uh, the unseen. Navigation, passage, and cycles of time. Krufix is one of the lesser gods that we probably have the most interaction with out of the lesser gods, quote-unquote. Because of uh, the story that Lorelai mentioned earlier, Crucifix's uh, insight, which was one of the one of my favorite stories of the entire Theros block, to be honest, um, it's very good. Basically, it's a story where he imparts knowledge of uh, possible higher threats than what Elspeth and Xenagos pose to the gods to one of his favored Kaidel, who has a commander card. And it's he, he's a god that ponders life's mysteries and mysteries of the, um, of the unknown, which is what he's the god of. And the way he's not a jerkwad like Heliod, because at least when Kaidel was, when he offered this information of possible greater threats like the Phyrexians or the Eldrazi that he's he's come to realize based on the knowledge gleaned from the planeswalkers who have visited the plane that 
he at least asked if she really wanted to be burdened with this knowledge instead of just forcing it on her. Um, so just made me like Krufix a little bit more because, you know, he's not super imposing and treats his chosen correctly. But, you know, that's just me being bitter at Heliod about Elspeth again. Better than any other god, I think Krufix understands the interaction between gods and mortals and respects it. Um, he seems like the nicest. Uh, he himself is a portal into Nyx. Um, he, he manifests as um, just kind of a blank, four-armed, hooded figure on the horizon. His temple is at the literal edge of the world as uh, the ocean drips off into the underworld. Uh, that's where his temple is. And uh, so like a, a Johnny and Elspeth travel there so that they can be transported into Nyx. Um, Krufix like knows everything that everyone on Theros knows. He knows all their uh, thoughts and mysteries and wonders. Um, he also, as far as he knows, is the oldest god. Um, but he doesn't even know where he came from. So he's not even sure that he is like the first god of Horizons. Uh, and he's he's more humble, I think, because of that than the other gods, because he kind of knows the nature of existence better than anybody else. Unlike Asas, like Heliod. Uh, he also had the ability to close off Nyx from the rest of the world um, in an event called the Silence, which is interesting. So he has, like, really supreme metaphysical power over other gods, which is bizarre. Um, I, I also... I don't like him just because he's the green-blue god. I, I think he's a fascinating character and a fascinating deity in a world of deities. And, uh... I hope we get to hear more from him one day. But, but, that brings us to a close on this episode. Fifteen gods, each of them doing something specific. Um, we're back down to fourteen, because R.I.P. Xenagos. But uh, an interesting thing about Theros, the, the return set we're about to go to that Mark Rosewater did make public, is that all the gods are not coming back as cards. So we are going to have fewer than... 15 or I guess 14 gods um, printed in the set. So what that ends up being, y'all will find out. Use that as a point of speculation because you know that much. And um, with that, I guess we're going to final thoughts. And my final thought for this week is I really, really, really enjoy Commander. Like a lot. It's pretty much the only format I play anymore. Um, I hadn't played it in like a month and a half and then very recently got to get some games in. Um, I've been upgrading stuff in my Alesha deck. Did you know that Kiki Jiki has a lot of different weird combos that he can do? Mm -hmm. I ended up winning a game with a Kiki Jiki, Karmic Guide, and Sling Gang Lieutenant. Because um, you tap Kiki Jiki to make a copy of Karmic Guide. With that ability on the stack, you sack Kiki Jiki to drain an opponent for one and then let the copy ability resolve. Because so, so then you make a Karmic Guide. The Karmic Guide token then copies Kiki Jiki, returns him to the battlefield, who can then tap and make another Karmic Guide, and you just repeat the process till everybody's dead. It technically works with any sack outlet because at the end of it you have... Um, an endless supply of 2-2 hasty flyers anyway, but it's, it was a lot more. Sling Gang Lieutenant ended up being my sack, sack outlet of choice. So, hilarious. Like, Felidar Guardian and Village Bell Ringer are in there too. It's a fun deck. I love Commander. Brian, final thought. 
my final thoughts are that um, I am super pumped for the Commander product as well, and I am anticipating possibly purchasing a case and not buying any other Magic products next year, because I am going to be outside of pre-releases, I will probably just be like, you know what, I'm just going to save money until I can buy a case of this Commander product, because I want all the Commander cards, all of them. And hopefully they'll have lots of cool cars that I want in foil that have never been printed in foil, like Tempted Discovery or other Commander-only cards. Basalt Monolith. Yeah, I don't care about that. It's whatever. But, uh, yeah, I am super pumped for this. And like Lorelei, um, the Commander's the format that I play the most of nowadays because... I don't, fi- I, I don't make the time to play any of the competitive formats because I don't see myself doing anything super competitive anymore. So it is what it is. But uh, super pumped for that product, and I cannot wait. I have two Gorgon-related final thoughts. Both are fun facts. The first fun fact is that the art for Aspect of Gorgon remains the desktop wallpaper on my laptop to this day. I just never changed it. And so now I feel like it's looping back around. And great, got my Theros wallpaper. And the second one is that I can't see very well. So when um, I first started playing Magic, the Theros was the set. So um, I would see the card Keepsake Gorgon. But because I can't see very well, I don't really look at the art on cards. And I didn't understand it. And I just assumed that the Gorgon was really small and she was the Keepsake. She was small and she was a baby. And so in my mind, she's just a little baby. I buy it. Um, if you too are baby and you would like to support the Vorthos cast, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast and support us today. Everyone who donates and keeps the show running will get access to our Discord community, where Vorthoses from around the world are discussing super exciting things like these new mystery boosters and the upcoming Theros set and probably complaining about Oko, I guess. Um, actually, not a whole lot. We're actually really excited for Pokemon Sword and Shield, which are out later this week. That's mostly what we talk about. Oh, yeah. Crap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, look, final thoughts in, in the, in the near future, we'll talk about Pokemon at the end of an episode, I guess. And then we'll just morph into a Pokemon podcast. No, like, legit, we're all excited. Um, trading uh raid encounters battling like we're good for all that stuff it's a good place for a good community with that so uh if that's something you're interested in definitely head over to patreon and uh we we appreciate everyone who helps us out because we cannot keep the show running without y'all thank you all for listening this has been the vorthos cast